Thanks for joining us. This is the Automation World Get Your Questions Answered podcast, where we connect with industry experts to get the answers you need about industrial automation technologies. This podcast series is sponsored by Allied Electronics and Automation, carrying the most automation and control brand names in North America. Now, the questions posed in this podcast series all come from automation technology users across the process and discrete manufacturing industries. I'm David Greenfield, Director of Content for Automation World, and the topic for this podcast is how to configure a wireless network for mobile use. With more and more industrial companies opening up at least some portions of their operations to access by mobile devices, this is becoming an ever more important issue for manufacturing companies of all sizes. And joining me for this podcast is Justin Shade, Lead Wireless Product Marketing Specialist with Phoenix Contact a supplier of multiple automation-related technologies, ranging from connectors and cables to HMIs and PLCs to sensors, power supplies, and industrial communication technologies. So, Justin, let's, let's start by explaining what key elements are necessary in any industrial wireless network to enable it for mobile use. Sure. So, um, it's kind of an interesting topic because when people look at um, the industrial wireless and, and implementing industrial industrial wireless network, um, they typically first go right to what product I'm going to use um, because, you know, that's kind of the end goal is installing that wireless product. Um, but there's a lot of detail and information that, that they're skipping over if they're going right to the product. Uh, and I look at it kind of back to my third grade self um, when you had to do current events. Um, so back in third grade, they give me this, this task to go, go to the newspaper and find a current event and do the who, what, when, where, and why. Um, and that kind of translates over to the design and uh, implementation of industrial wireless networks, knowing those important details, um, the who of who who is going to be monitoring the system, who is going to be paying for the system, who is going to be approving the installation of the system. Um, because nowadays, when you're specifically looking at you know indoor applications and warehouses and uh, material handling, you have your your OT group who's you know wants to get this efficiency in all their processes, but you're also now merging over into that IT group who has always owned that space. Um, so if you're not communicating with them, something that you may or may you may want to use may not be allowed to be in that facility. Um, likewise, you know who's paying for it? Um, is it going to be you know the IT group that's going to be approving the budget, or is, is you have your you have your own budget with your OT team? Um, so finding out those uh, those details to start, um, and then the what what are you doing? Um, what are you trying to do? What's what's your end goal of the system? Um, I always say that there's there's not one size fits all of the wireless communication. Everything has pros and cons, um, you know, ups and downs of what they can do versus what you expect it to do. So. Uh, establishing what your your goal is for the system first before diving into the product is important. Um, but the when you know when are you planning on doing this? How is it, is it tomorrow? Uh, do you need something tomorrow? Or do you is this a long term project where um, you have a, a big facility that you're going to be to networking network and um, planning? You know the, the conduit runs, the wire runs to the the radios, the back 
to backhaul the information to your network, the placement, the contractors, the permits, all that information needs to be settled before you can actually you know, implement that uh, project. Um, the where, I think we kind of covered that one, but you know, where are you going to place all the, all the wireless nodes? Can you place them where you want to place them? Um, I've been down many applications where, hey, we're going to put wireless nodes on these devices and um, we want to be able to access them you know, with our tablets and then come down to it. You can't, can't put them there. Um, so making sure you, you validate your, your locations of your wireless nodes. And then the why. why. Why are you doing it? Um, people never think about why because why comes back to the who and the what. Um, are you doing this just because you want to? Well, now your budget's a little lower because it's, it's not an important um, aspect of your, an installation. It's, you, now you have to, to convince somebody that it's worth it. Uh, if it's mission critical, uh, now you know, the, the budget of the project and the timeline of the project tightens up or, and the budget gets bigger because it's an important thing to you know, somebody. Um, so it's it's interesting an interesting way to look at it you know current events and the who what when where why but before you start looking at anything from a product standpoint you got to answer those questions and make sure you have those those details ready to go and then you can move over to you know what product technology I want to use what type of product I want to use is it you know inside the cabinet outside the cabinet um, and then for mobile use specifically you know there are, there are two main technologies today that you use for for mobile technology um, uh, or mobile applications and that would be you know Wi-Fi or, or WLAN uh, and, and Bluetooth um, so you know you look at you know what technology is allowed what technology is there already um, and making sure that again where you're putting it is allowed uh, a lot of indoor applications like I mentioned you know IT tends to um, want to own that that space, and um, they have their enterprise-based products that they typically want to use. And sometimes they're they're okay to be in our industrial world, and sometimes they're not. Um, but you know, they they want to have that grasp and that ownership of the of the floor. So um, it's important to kind of have that collaboration between the two groups, so you're both in an understanding of why you're doing it and what the end goal is. Justin, you mentioned in, in your response there, you mentioned uh, the issues that inevitably are created uh, with, you know, around industrial networking, especially with wireless uh, between the OT and IT groups. Um, from your experience in industry, can you kind of say how this tends to work out? Is, is it something that becomes more in the realm of IT or is it its uses on the plant floor? Does that stay with an OT? How is that typically handled or managed? It, it, it's merging, definitely merging. Um, my conversations are, are getting more and more involved with the IT groups, um, especially when it comes down to a, a WLAN installation. Um, historically, WLAN installations are owned by IT, and when the OT group wants to you know, network up to an existing network or install um, their own network, I'd say it's 50-50 whether IT goes you know what, you can connect to my network and I'll, I'll, I'll segment you off and, and I will give you your own pipe. Uh, or uh, they go, you know what, you're not allowed to have Wi-Fi in this area at all. You need to find something different. Um, and again, that comes back to the whole, let's, let's, let's talk up front. And that would be the biggest advice is if you're going to be on a warehouse floor and you're going to network something, 
um, get them involved early um, because you know they'll appreciate the fact that you are coming to them and not just doing something. Um, and then that's because the, the worst thing you could do is install something and all of a sudden, you know, the whole facility is not working or something's not working like it was before. And you have five or six guys coming down to the floor, knocking on your door and asking, what did you do down here? Because, you know, they're not getting data or they're getting alarms and alerts that there's, you know, rogue, rogue devices on their floor. Um, so in my experience, if you bring them in in the beginning, they'll have their concerns, they'll, they won't know necessarily the industrial vendors. Um, you know, the IT groups don't really know who Phoenix Contact is as a, as a Wi-Fi vendor. Um, but once we have that conversation and go, hey, we do everything you do, we just put in a different type of housing, um, they're typically understanding and go, okay, well, here's what you're allowed to do. You know, here's what we're going to do, here's what you're going to do, and here, here's the, 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 the box in which you can work. Um, and usually it's okay, but again, if you, if you go the other direction and pull them in late, um, they tend to be a little less uh, flexible. Okay. Yeah, thanks for clearing that up. I know it's still very much a developing situation, so to speak, but it's it's always uh, interesting to hear uh, different insights into how this is actually playing out day to day in industry. So when when we think about wireless networks in industry, you know, often it's the first things we think about are, you know, the use of, you know, smartphones and tablets. But what about mobile assets like automated guided vehicles? Do they require a different wireless network configuration? Yeah, I mean, it, it's definitely, well, it depends on how the, the, the guided vehicles and everything are, are set up. Um, most of the time uh, with automated guided vehicles, there is some kind of... Um, computer or logic controller on board the, the, the AGV. Um, so a lot of the times the wireless communication is just there to give status status feedback, um, get the, a new command from you know the, the traffic controller. Uh, and but the AGV is really doing its process on its own. Um, so when it comes to that kind of setup, um, you, you still you still would like to see an industrial rated radio because um, just from the form factor, the power input, um, it's resistance and it's, it's designed to uh, resist the vibration and the bumps and the movement of the guided vehicle. Um, I, I still see today, you know, more, more generic off the shelf residential type radios and AGVs here and there. Um, and from the, from what I hear from those manufacturers, you know, they, they tend to replace them here and there after every couple of months because they're, they're getting bounced around and banged around. Um, but as long as you're, you're doing that type of communication, just, Hey, status in status out, where are you, where are you going? Here's your next, here's your next, uh, task. Um, the, the infrastructure behind it can, can be, you can use an existing infrastructure. Um, if you have the ability to build your own for that network, it's always beneficial to do that because now you're, you're segmenting all the building or office traffic that is going back and forth, printers, uh, emails, you know, the YouTube videos that are flying back and forth from people going out on their lunch break that's traversing this network. Um, you're, you're getting that away from the, the production network that you have the AGVs on. And that just makes the pipe cleaner. Um, sometimes that's available in new installations, uh, new warehouses, that, that can be an option. Um, on older, you know, existing uh, warehouses and buildings where stuff's already there, it's a little tougher because, uh, you know, the system's already there and they don't want to, you know, invest in another another system. Now, 
you know, the, the, the network owner can, you know, do things like VLANing uh, and, you know, setting up certain channels to segment that AGV network from um, the, the IT network. And most of the time that, that's, that's sufficient enough for what you're uh, looking to do. But if you're, your goal is to have real-time communication with those AGVs where, hey, if I don't get some kind of feedback from this guy within two or three seconds, I need to stop that carp because I don't know what it's doing. Now that that turns your whole use case for your infrastructure around because now you, you need to make sure that connection is solid. You need to make sure that the, the pipe is big enough for your data when that data needs to go. Um, but most of the time, you know, there's some kind of computer or something on board. So it's not as important to have a, a segmented network. Okay, thanks for explaining that. When it comes to industrial networking protocols like Profinet or Ethernet IP or Modbus TCP, what sort of impact do they have on industrial wireless networks? Um, anymore, not as much. Uh, it, it depends on what the technology of wireless you're using though. Um, so, so Modbus TCP is um, old faithful when it comes to an industrial protocol. Mm -hmm. um, it's very robust, reliable. Um, compared to Profinet and Ethernet IP, it's, it's slower, but it's very deterministic in the way it's communicating. Um, so with the Modbus TCP communication, you can really use that across any type of, of wireless technology, whether that's Wi-Fi technology, a Bluetooth technology, um, uh, a, uh, a longer range proprietary, like, like a frequency hopping spread spectrum technology that's going long range because it's not looking for data really fast. It's more of a, you know, I want to hear you, your update and if I get it in you know, a second or two, I'm, I'm good. Um, it, it's more of a monitoring and control type um, protocol. When you get in the Ethernet IP and Profinet, um, they're typically on, on a wired side. They're, they're more quote unquote real time where they're looking at 10 to 20 millisecond update times. You know, you're talking to, to drives and you're talking to motors and you're, you're, you're turning VFDs on and off. So it, they tend to be a little more aggressive. But when you get into an, a, a wireless application with those protocols, again, you look back at what, what, are you, what are you trying to accomplish? And most of the time when you're looking at Ethernet IP or Profinet over wireless, you're doing the same thing you're doing with Modbus TCP. You're, I have this cabinet of stuff and I want to get online and I want to download the firmware, a new firmware update to the PLC, or I want to go in there and change the code and update something, or I need to... You know, monitor these inputs, and if they, you know, go high, I want to send this this command. So again, the, the the use case is is if this happens, if I can update that in a couple seconds, that's fine. Or a hundred, two hundred, three hundred milliseconds, that's fine. It, you, you never want to try to do real time communication over a wireless system because it's just not as deterministic as a wire. Um, so again, it comes back to that. What is your goal? What, what is what is your need for this system? Um, and in my experience, with any industrial protocol, you're looking at 50 to 100 millisecond rates in most networks to be fairly robust and reliable. Um, whereas the wire, when you're on a wired network, you're looking at 10 or 20 millisecond update times. So it's it's a it's a fairly big difference when it comes to industrial communication um, when you look at those those protocols. And does that with that with that gap or that difference between the wired and wireless, uh, the millisecond uh, response rate, uh, does that pretty much uh, 
require that you use wireless just for certain types of applications and not others? Yeah, I mean, I would say, I mean, I, I, my, my job is industrial wireless. That's that's what I do. But I say, you know, if you have the ability to wire something, if it's there, plug it in. I mean, it, it's, 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 it's there for a reason. The network's there already. Um, but if you're looking for real-time communication between devices, unless you're very confident that you're going to have a you know a robust, reliable signal between point A and point B, and it's it's not going to be interrupted. I, I tend to you know to make sure you evaluate that a little further. Maybe maybe do a test. You know maybe do a long term test, a thirty or sixty day trial of your whatever vendor's product you're looking at at, at um, uh, using. You know get get them to loan it to you for a month or so, and because you don't know that, that's the thing with wireless. You know you can't see it um, with a, with a wire. You're you're kind of it's, it's in the quote unquote, it's in the wire. So you kind of know what's going on mm. to the wire in the air. You don't know what's there. You don't know if someone's going to turn on a hotspot at, at lunch and, and get their laptop onto their, their hotspot. And that hotspot turns on the same channel as your robotic arm is running on. And all of a sudden your, ro your robot doesn't work anymore. Um, you don't know if someone's going to install something else right next to yours. Um, I mean, you hope you, you, you have a conversation, but it happens, you know, people, tend to turn things on, put things somewhere, plug something else into the switch that's going over the wireless network that you don't expect to be there. Um, so when in doubt, you know, plug it in. But if you have the ability with your the vendor you're talking to to get it for a month and just verify it, try before you buy. I mean, that's I, I love that concept because it, it gets the confidence of the, you know, your, your integrator, it gets the confidence of your end user. Um, and because they, they they know that if it's not going to work the way they want it to, they're not they're not obligated to keep it. More times than not, if you design it right, they're going to test it, they're going to try it, they're going to like it, and they're going to keep it. Um, and, and it just opens that that door to more more opportunity that that customer or that end user. Okay. So just kind of going, uh, you know, continuing the same line of questioning there, uh, what you've been uh, mentioning there, you know, where if you mentioned that if you have the, you know, the opportunity to plug it in, you know, that's the way to go is definitely to do that. So does that mean uh, from your perspective that wireless is, would be, is best reserved for things that are hard to reach or hard to get to or rotating equipment, things of that sort that have historically been identified for wireless? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I mean, nothing's changed on, you know, the use case for wireless, things that spin, slip rings, rotating Rotating on robotic arms with the flexible cable; um, those cables aren't cheap, and they. And if you look at where they're being used, um, it's it's applications where downtime costs hundreds of thousands of dollars, you know, a day. Um, so I mean, th those those are the you know this this the op the applications where they're um, historically used. Um, but you know, people are, are finding ways to use wireless in places that haven't been used before. So we we discussed. The Ethernet IP profiling that they, they want real-time communication, but now they want to do it wirelessly. So when you have that conversation about, hey, here's what you are doing, and here's how you're doing it, it's not going to work wirelessly just because of what your expectation of the network is. Um, once they, they you have that conversation, explain it to them, they can go back and evaluate their network and go, you know, I don't really need to have it that fast, or I don't really need to have data that often. Or I can live if I get a you know a missed packet or two, um, and again it, this comes down to that's how they've always done it. Um, they've never really evaluated it for you know a wireless system, um, and it's not that it's wrong or it's right. It's just different. Um, 
and that's where we're getting to nowadays. I mean, there there have been a couple applications I've worked on where um, it, it was a real time communication application, and you know, it, for all we could do with a, with a Wi Fi infrastructure, we we couldn't get it to work, um, and you know, the customer was frustrated, we were frustrated, and then we, we took a step back, you know, reevaluated what is your goal, and the goal was to just, you know, gather data. It wasn't to have real-time communication. So we evalu- we got some people in, we evaluated their code with them, um, found that, you know, they were, you know, just requesting data faster than they really needed it. Um, so when they turned it down and, and moved it to a more realistic, you know, timing, everything ended up working. Um, so again, it all comes back to that, you know, sitting down with the user and going, what do you want this to do? What is your goal? And what is your expectation of the network once it's running? Okay. All right. Thanks for clarifying that. So when it comes to wireless or really anything uh, based based on or around Ethernet, uh, security is always going to be a big issue. So Justin, what are your recommendations for securing an industrial network when it comes particularly to wireless access? Yeah. So exactly. So when it, when it comes to the wireless security, it really comes down to um, what type of technology you're using. So th- there are some proprietary based technologies, uh, wireless technologies that you know are inherently secure because they are they are proprietary in nature. So the the, the ability to hack a network is, is very low. Um, and when you look at those networks, if they even customer or user was even able to quote unquote hack a proprietary network. Um, a lot of those proprietary networks are, are low bandwidth IO and serial data. So there's not a lot for them to see on that network. But when you move into the ethernet based networks like a Wi-Fi network or a Bluetooth network, um, those are public technologies. Um, they're, they're driven by the IEEE and the way the protocol works is published. So anybody can go out and find the information on how that wireless communication works. So it really comes down to um, the security and the encryption of the network of the wireless network on the wireless side, and, and then the, the layer one, basically, security on, on the wired side. Um, so when you look at the wireless side with Wi-Fi, they're, they've just, they either just ratified or getting ready to ratify um, a new WPA3 security mechanism um, for Wi-Fi. Um, I, th- I think it's close if it hasn't been ratified already. Um, but for the past five or eight years, WPA2 has been the quote-unquote unhackable um, security mechanism when used in conjunction with AES encryption. Um, so that's, again, an IEEE standard for 802.11 um, communication. Um, but that combination of security and encryption is only as strong as the password you use for that network. Um, so I'm sure you've used wi- Wi-Fi, either we're using it right now on our podcast. Um, you know, you, you plug in a name of a network you want to connect to and you give it a password. And then if your password matches the password of the access point, you get on. Well, the, the way people hack those networks is they use what's called a library attack. And that you can you can download libraries of passwords on on the internet and they just they just cycle through these passwords and try to you know see which one works. So if your password is one two three four five six seven, you know eventually that library is going to go through one two three four five six seven and you're going to get online uh, or get onto that network. So making sure your password is not something that's common. You know if you're going to use you know some kind of word you know 
like, like Phoenix, for example, don't use P-H-O-E-N-I-X. Drop a zero in there. Have a, a, a special character. Put, put, a, put an underscore or a space um, because now that the probability of that combination of characters being in somebody's library attack is very, very low, minimal. Um, and then once you get past that, so that's, that's the, the wireless portion of it, and the, on the radio itself, there are things like uh, MAC address whitelisting and blacklisting. So going into the radio and going, hey, only people with these MAC addresses are allowed to connect once they pass the the password and encryption portion of, of the authentication to the network. So if they get onto the network and their MAC address doesn't match this, boot them off. Um, it's mm -hmm. kind of a, a defense in depth type uh, um, setup. And then on top of that, on the background, to back uh, behind that, you can look at access control lists um, or 802.1x uh, radius server authentication where uh, your company has a list of, of names and MAC addresses on a server somewhere that your computer has to have a certificate and has to then, once it gets onto the network, go to the server, the server has to authenticate it, and then it allows it on the network. Um, so it varies from, from user to user. Most of the time, if, if you're just using a, a WPA2 AES encryption and you have a strong password, that's typically enough for, for most isolated applications. Um, if you're out in the open and you're, you're somewhere, you're, you're out in the middle of a field or something, where there's not as much, you know, physical defense to your to your network, you want to make sure you do a little bit more on the back end. Maybe um, once you get onto the wireless network and that Ethernet cable runs somewhere, you have another firewall or router or network security appliance that's filtering out data and check doing some more checks in the background. Um, that way, in case someone gets on your network somewhere out in the field, they can't get to the important parts of your network. So once you've got all of this set up, you know, and everything's up and running securely, you know, what steps do you recommend to follow to ensure that the wireless network remains, you know, stable and dependable as well as secure? It's a good question. And, and that again, comes back to my first comment is make sure communication is open between all parties that, that are involved, whether that's their day-to-day, day-to-day <clears throat> -day -day they're involved with the wireless network or they're, they're working on another wireless network that's around your wireless network. Um, to make sure that you're just not stepping on each other. Um, you know, you're working, to, you're, you're playing nicely together in the sandbox. Um, making sure that all your devices are up to date on firmware. Um, there are new, new vulnerabilities that are coming out every day, new, new, new ways of hacking networks, new way of getting malware on the networks. So working with your, your manufacturer, your vendor to make sure that you know, you're getting updates on new firmwares, new vulnerabilities they found in their own products, making sure you're the most up-to-date product um, so that, you know, you don't miss one and all of a sudden you're, you're vulnerable to something that came out that you shouldn't be vulnerable to. Well, thanks, Justin. And thank you for joining us for this podcast. Please keep watching this space for more installments of Automation World Get Your Questions Answered. And remember to visit our website at www.automationworld.com to stay on top of the latest industrial automation technologies insights, trends, and news.